You are listening to Grab Them by the Pod, a member of the Ace Podcast Network. Welcome to Grab Them by the Pod, a Trump political podcast. I am Kevin, along with Jesse, and just like we do every week, we're bringing you everything that comes out of Washington, D.C., especially out of the president's mouth. So, Jesse, what do you have for us this week? Well, a lot has happened this week, Kevin. Uh, Trump lawyer Ty Cobb has decided to retire in the middle of an investigation. Trump and Kanye are best buds. And uh, Trump's longtime uh, personal physician says Trump wrote his own medical report. Well, that's not good. But we're going to start with another leak. Uh, Robert Mueller has reportedly put together a list of about eh, 50 questions or so uh, that he wants to ask Trump. And the New York Times reportedly has obtained the list of the questions. Uh, the questions have to do with a lot of things like Trump's business dealings, his relationship with Russia, uh, his communications with ex-staffers like people like Paul Manafort. Uh, it's an interesting turn of events, and I'm interested to see where it goes. Well, I'm cautioning myself not to get too excited, but, yeah. you know, could this be the real deal? Could this be it? Could this be the moment we've all been waiting for? I don't know. We'll have to see still, but it certainly could be an important moment in this investigation. If we all get too excited. We're ready to spike the football and usually go, nope, it's not the end. It's just the end of the beginning or the beginning of the end. Yeah, something like that. And let's just you know, hold our powder, as actually George W. Bush once told me to do in a letter. Uh, it's a story for another time. Uh, let's just calm down and, and just you know see where this all plays out. Uh, you know, Mueller wants to ask a bunch of things that we, we know he wants to ask about. He wants to know about uh, the Trump Tower meeting between Don Jr. and Russian lawyer. Um, by the way, that Russian lawyer turned that was was a spy or an informant. Uh, she said that you know, since 2013, she's been actively communicating with the office of the Russian uh, prosecutor general. So what is it? No, it's just another wacky coincidence with the Trump family in Russia. Uh, nothing to see here, right? That's my Trump. <laughs> um, and Mueller wants to know uh, whether Trump discussed sanctions on Russia or you know, or meeting with Russian President Vladimir Putin during the campaign. Any of these things that we know uh, just from watching the news and the same stories coming out repeatedly over the last year. Uh, did he have any knowledge about uh, outreach from his campaign, like from Paul Manafort? Uh, these are the things we want to see. And also, why did he decide to fire Comey and Flynn? Why did he pick those certain times to do it. Um, His explanations on some of these things have changed uh, over time, and he has to be careful how he answers these things, uh, because if he gives the wrong answer, it would be bad for the president. It sure would. Now, according to the Washington Post, Mueller has raised the notion of subpoenaing the president in at least one meeting with the president's lawyers, according to two sources familiar with the matter. Now, this was back in March, and uh, the president's former lawyer, John Dowd, took particular offense saying that the investigation was screwing with the work of the president of the United States. And Dowd, of course, has since left his position. They have to be careful. I uh, was looking at a tweet uh, that had a quote from uh, one of Trump's former aides who met with Mueller, and he said that Mueller and his team know more about the Trump campaign than anybody who works for the campaign does, and that while the Senate and House intelligence committees are net fishing, uh, Mueller's spearfishing. So like he he's like listen, you, when you're a lawyer, you should never ask a question that you don't know the answer to. And it sounds like Mueller's doing just that. He's asking the questions that he knows the answers to and just seeing if people are lying, if they're going to trip people up. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see uh, if anybody falls for what he's throwing out there. Because if they do, as I said before, it's going to be bad news for the Trump administration. Well, I completely believe that Mueller knows more about the Trump campaign than the Trump campaigners actually did. That, that's that got to be for certain. 
uh, because clearly one hand didn't know what the other was doing, which is what's tripped them up in the first place. A lot of people seem to think, by the way, that the Trump campaign of the people who leaked this. I know Rudy Giuliani met with Mueller last week to discuss uh, possibilities of, of some of the things that he wants to have like a two hour interview. He wants to see the questions beforehand. Uh, there's all these stipulations that if I was Mueller, I would not accept or, or agree to. Uh, but people are thinking, like, did debris leak? Did something on their side leak? Uh, I, I don't know why they would do that, but it just seems like uh, that would be the case. I mean, Mueller's team, I, I think they're too professional. I mean, yes, there's been leaks coming out, but I, I just don't see it happening on this. These, these are big-time questions, and what would Mueller's team have to benefit from, from putting them out there? I don't know. So not to be a conspiracy theorist here at all, <laughs> because I don't believe in those things, but what if – this is Rudy Giuliani trying to get back in America's good graces, right? He was America's mayor after 9-11. And then he's kind of gone off the rails here and supported some really wacky causes. But if he's the leaker and then this all turns out to be the thing that brings down the president, he can claim that, hey, it was me, guys. I'm the one that got this done when it was floundering. So perhaps this is what it is or perhaps it's completely nothing and he's still crazy. But, you know, this is interesting to see in the least. He'd probably be disbarred, I think, if that was the case. But what does he care? It's not like he's, you know, really practicing law. I mean, I guess he is now with Trump, but, you know, it's not what he's been known for over the past uh, decade or two. So you know, Trump's pissed off. He causes all disgraceful courses. It's a witch hunt. It's there's no collusion, no obstruction, yada yada yada. Today he tweeted out something which I think is laying the groundwork for more to come from Trump himself. Uh, he tweeted out, you know, rig system. They don't want to turn over do- uh, dem- documents to Congress. What are they afraid of? Why so much redacting? Why such an equal justice? At some point, I will have no choice but to use the powers granted to the presidency and get involved. So is he laying the groundwork there for firing Rod Rosenstein, getting rid of Jeff Sessions, trying to get rid of Mueller. Uh, I just feel like he's trying to get people, he's trying to gaslight people into thinking that these guys are all doing bad stuff and I'm going to use the power of the presidency to get rid of them and I'm moving my rights and it's the correct thing to do. Uh, and I'm afraid people might fall for it. Yeah, if one didn't know any better, you're right. They might uh, assume that this is what he's he's doing here. He's laying the groundwork for that. So, you know, I, I can only hope not. It doesn't really bode well for him. If he starts firing people who are responsible for this investigation, uh, we've already got members of the Senate, you know, Lindsey Graham and others, even on the Republican side, who have said that if he fires people who are investigating him, that's it. So... It's not really a good look. I, I'm not sure why he would do that. But then again, nothing uh, from the White House and the Trump presidency has been ordinary. And we've talked about uh, how that stuff has worked for Nixon during his presidency and how it led to his downfall. So, uh, you know, let's see if Trump is paying attention to that. Um, over the weekend, we also had the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Uh, and people seem very upset with the, with the dinner itself. Uh, you know, this is an annual dinner. They have every single – I mean – they, they call it Nerd Prom. We used to love it when I was in D.C. Everybody get super excited. I knew people who went to it. Uh, it was a lot of fun, I guess, prior to this presidency. You'd have White House staff mingling with the press corps and celebrities. I mean, I remember you know, the, the White House staff were sitting next to Lindsay Lohan and freaking out because, oh, my God, it's a celebrity. Yay. Yes. You know, back when jokes were funny because they weren't so darn true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a little too much truth that makes it a little hard to laugh on a lot of these things. And yeah, this dinner started in 1921, and 15 presidents have attended. Like, you know, Reagan didn't go when he was shot. But for the most part, uh, the presidents do go, and it's kind of like a roast. You know, they, they get jokes made at their expense. They go up there and do their—it's kind of like—we've you know, you, all seen roasts where everybody gets made fun of it. At the end, the person who's being made fun of goes up there, and then he dishes out uh, his or her own stuff. Um, but, you know, with this fake news media, can't spend any time with that. 
Uh, this year was hosted by uh, Michelle Wolf, who I'll be honest, I wasn't really aware of uh, before. I, I think she has a Netflix special that I may have not watched but seen it on Netflix. Uh, and many people think she went too far, which I think personally is stupid. You can hire, uh, hire a comic who has like that brand, that type of comedy, and they get mad when they do their thing. They should have done their due diligence and seen what kind of comedy she puts out there. I, I read a quote from Judd Apatow that said, it's like going to Billy Joel concert and being shocked that he plays Piano Man. Uh, you have to stand behind your pick. Or, or do a better job picking. Yeah, for some reason, I kept thinking of this You know, would have been like them hiring Richard Pryor back in the 70s <laughs> or 80s and expecting him to keep it clean. You know, people want to point out that she's being crude. But they have no problem with the president who is just as crude, if not even more crude. She was particularly hard on Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Um, a few of the jokes she had out there was, you know, I'm never really sure what to call Sarah Huckabee Sanders. You know, is it Sarah Sanders? Is it Sarah Huckabee Sanders? Is it Cousin Huckabee? Is it Auntie Huckabee Sanders? Like, what's the Uncle Tom uh, but for white women who disappoint other white women? Oh, I know it's Aunt Coulter. So she's you know going at that she just sells out women and and you know works for people like Trump. Uh, she said every time Sarah steps to the podium, I get excited because I'm not sure what we're gonna get. You know, a press briefing, a bunch of lies, or divided into softball teams. I guess that's kind of. Uh, I poke at her physical appearance too, and then they, I actually really like Sarah. I think she's very resourceful. Like she burns facts, and then she uses the ash to create perfect, perfect smoky eye. Like maybe she's born with it, maybe it's lies. It's all probably lies. So, yeah, some were offended that this was a jab at Sanders' looks. However, in an interview with NPR yesterday, Wolf said, "I think people have a lot of." preconceived notions about Sarah's looks. And I think a lot of it, what was happening is they're projecting onto this joke. I think it's clear that the joke wasn't about Sarah's looks, but I don't think to me it's so obvious. I don't even really need to defend it. And I'll be honest, I think she is extremely ugly, but it's not, it doesn't have to do with her looks. It has to do with uh, what's on the inside. You know, they say, you know, beauty's on the inside, so is ugliness. And the things that she stands up for and the things that she defends, I find to be extremely ugly. And I, I, I'm sorry if that offends some people, but it's it's just the truth. Um, you know, there are people who are made more attractive by the, who they are and how they act, and there are people who become you know less attractive. In that case, that's what I think of when I see Sarah. Right. We had this similar conversation a couple of months ago after the Parkland High School shootings with the NRA's representative, Dana Lash, who, for all intents and purposes, is an attractive woman. Yeah. Yet her attitude and, and her position on this issue has made her less attractive in the eyes of many. And let's not forget that she works for and defends a guy who talks about people's appearance all the time, whether it's Sleepy Eyes, Chuck Todd, or talking about Mika Brzezinski's face bleeding, or, or, or you know, uh, Megyn Kelly having blood come out of her, you, know, you don't know where type thing. Uh, you have to be able to uh, take it if you're going to support somebody who dishes that stuff out. Though I, I, I will admit that you know people were upset, but Sarah did sit there, and she did take it. She didn't leave. Um, you know, I always think thought a, a roast would be fun, but I honestly, I don't know if I could take uh, some of the mean things people say. I mean, yeah, it's all in fun, but there's also a tinge of truthfulness in what they're saying, and that's why it's joke at the roast. Now, Wolf also said in her interview that uh, you know Sarah Sanders, what was not shown on on some of the TV footage was that when different awards were given to different journalists and members of the CNN uh, uh, journalists that were there. She did not stand. She did not acknowledge them. So, you know, that's kind of petty in its own right. You know, they didn't show those things of which, you know, maybe the jokes don't come across quite as harsh and, and like she's some defenseless victim that she was also throwing her own shade 
in the correspondence dinner itself. And she had no problem having the fake news award and, and you know calling these people fake news and calling them out in their own little award show. So uh, you know what's good for the goose is good for the gander. I always say uh, there, there was a great picture of Stormy Daniels' lawyer Michael uh, Avenatti, uh, and he was kind of photobombing Kellyanne Conway. And it almost you know if you didn't know, but you, you would have thought like he was her date because he was right behind her while she was talking to somebody. Uh, and later, uh, the, uh, Michael Avenatti said that uh, he met Kellyanne Conway last night. They both went to GW Law and both had Jonathan Turley as a professor. Uh, thus, we are prone to a very spirited discussion, though we didn't really go into what they discussed. No. To be a fly on the wall. Yeah, some of these things, like what happens, you know, I used to work, I, you all know this, I used to work for the Senate and uh, would run the back room of a lot of these hearings, and you'd see these senators talking to each other like they're old buddies, like who gives a crap, uh, it'd be, you know, in the back uh, room, and then you get in front of the cameras and suddenly they hate each other, and I wonder if there's any of that playing out, uh, or is, you know, the hatred we see on both sides uh, really real, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was. It probably depends on the person too. Yeah, yeah, it really does. Some people uh, just can't just can't take it. Uh, so the White House Correspondent Association President Margaret Taleb uh, released an apology, saying that Wolf's routine was not in the spirit of their mission. It said last night's program was meant to be to offer a unifying message about common commitment to vigorous and free press while honoring civility, great reporting, and scholarship winners, not to divide people. Unfortunately, the entertainer's monologue was not in the spirit of that mission. And personally, I call BS on that. If you look at their website, and I did, and it says that they exist to promote excellence in journalism as well as journalism education and to ensure robust news coverage of the president and the presidency. It's not the role, Kevin, to be balanced. It's a role to be truthful. Uh, even if it turns out that it looks like they're being one-sided, if they're being truthful, that's what's most important. And I think uh, that's what really got under a lot of people's skin is that she was being truthful. She was being really harsh in her in her truthfulness. Yeah, robust news coverage. Robust unless the president deems you fake and then denies you access. And who would want to do this again in the future uh, if the organization threw, threw, was going to throw you under the bus because they don't like your routine? Uh, they chose her. They should be standing by her and, and backing her up, and, and they're not. So, Correct. <sighs> and last week, we also uh, saw a couple of visitors come to the White House. In the last episode, we talked a little bit about uh, French President Emmanuel Macron, Macron and uh, we also had German Chancellor uh, Angela Merkel show up. And during these meetings, uh, Trump had a lot to say about Iran and their deal on the nuclear program. Uh, and if you look just from the past things he said, you know, Obama's nuclear deal uh, with the Iranians will lead to a nuclear arms race in the Middle East has to be stopped. Uh, the Iran deal goes down as one of the dumbest and most dangerous misjudgments ever entered into our history in our country. Uh, the Iran deal poses a direct national security threat. It must be stopped in Congress. So, you know, Kevin, what, what do you think Trump really thinks about this deal? I can't tell. Uh, I don't know, but, you know, we'll go down as one of the dumbest, most dangerous misjudgments <laughs> ever entered into in history of our country, incompetent leader. I mean, again, it's as if he's describing the 2016 election. It really is. Well, he, he doesn't think before he speaks, and he often is trying to point out one thing and is really just pointing out you know, some of his past misdeeds and misgivings. Uh, so Macron and Merkel did they made the good cop bad cop dealing with him. Uh, you know they wanted to get Trump to stay with the deal. Uh, but honestly, like we said, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Uh, Macron told the press that uh, in his view uh, is it's that there's going to that Trump's going to get rid of the deal on his own for domestic reasons. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter if the State Department recently re reported that Iran is in full compliance with the nuclear commitments. Uh, he just doesn't care. And, and he's throwing out things like, if Iran threatens, threatens us in any way, they will pay a price like few countries have ever paid. How does that help things? 
It doesn't. You know, the last time that that kind of stuff was brought up, it's back during World War II when we actually did use nuclear weapons on Japan. So if he's going to say it, he better be willing to back it up. And if he's going to say it and do it, he's going to have to deal with the repercussions of his actions. And, and I'm not prepared to take the fall for him. So please, President Trump, watch your mouth. And you know, Merkel has kind of a more chilly relationship than Macron does with Trump. There's no hand-holding, no, no kissing like we saw earlier in the week. Uh, you know, Merkel described the Iran deal as imperfect, uh, but said it's a one piece of a mosaic of dealing with Iran that can be built upon by England, France, Germany, and the United States. And we will now see what, our deci- what decisions are made by American partners. So uh, I think we all know it's going to go down the tubes because Trump is going to sink it. Uh, but they did their best. They gave the old college try. I just I don't think it was enough, unfortunately. You know, there's been some additional buzz this week uh, of President Trump possibly being considered or you know, whether or not he should be considered <laughs> for a Nobel Peace Prize and for his role in any uh, denuclearization of North Korea. Now, that made me think, you know, when the North Koreans and the South Koreans came together, right – Uh, the only part that Trump played in that was for them to come together and realize what an idiot he is. I can only imagine what the conversation (laughs) entailed between those two men and what the conversation between Macron and Merkel is, is at the same time, you know, what are they talking about when they talk about Donald Trump together? I I think not much is going on. I mean, one of the things I love, I was reading the New York Times article this, and it said that Merkel's, uh, Merkel alternated between looking serious and perplexed as Trump spoke. That's pretty what most foreign leaders and a lot of Americans do themselves. They just don't understand, is this guy really speaking? I mean, is this this guy really representing the the, the biggest powerhouse in the world? And unfortunately, I mean, this is the guy who said they're not going to be doing nuclear weapons. You're not going to be doing nuclear weapons. You can't use better English or better terminology than that? You know, there was uh, over spring break, uh, the family and I took a little trip down to Myrtle Beach, played some golf, spent some time in the sun that didn't end up happening because it was 60 degrees and, and cold the whole time. But uh, I had the chance to play golf with a couple of Canadians. And uh, the conversation at one point got a little strange for a minute there because you weren't sure how it was going to go. The, the the topic of politics came up and, you know, uh, we talked about uh, Trudeau and then Trump and, uh, you know, I was on the side of Trudeau, not much on the side of Trump. And once we cleared the air there, <laughs> it was pretty interesting to hear another, an outsider's, a foreigner's perspective on our president. And I felt the whole time like I had to defend, you know, the good people of America against uh, what's going on in Washington these days, that we, we don't all stand behind the president's behavior and actions. It's sad that actually this is a reoccurring theme because similarly, uh, God, it must have been like 2003 or so, I went to a game at Fenway Park and we were at the Red Sox bar, the Cask and Flock, and before the game, and it's packed. We had a table, and these two guys asked, you know, if they mind if we sat down the table just because there wasn't enough room for people. And we said, no problem. And they were Canadian, and we were worried that they were going to think we were a bunch of stupid Americans back then, uh, you know, with things going on in the Iraq War and President uh, Bush. And look, at here we are, uh, you know, 15 years, you know, 10, 15 years later. And it's the same thing all over again. And it's just really, really sad that, you know, for as great as America is and all we have to offer, uh, we constantly have to defend ourselves and apologize uh, for some parts of our country. And, you know, I, and I think it's a very American thing to be able to to admit that. Uh, being, it's a, being a bad American is defending it blindly. I think being a good American is defending it, but, you know, being able to, to admit some of the downfalls that we have as a society. Absolutely.
Um, by the way, just a reminder of what this Iran deal is in case people don't remember. Uh, Iran signed an agreement with the U.S., Russia, China, France, the United Kingdom, Germany, the European Union. And the offer basically is that Iran gets billions of dollars in sanction relief uh, in exchange for agreeing to curb its nuclear program. And you know, this deal isn't giving them a giant pallet of money like Trump would have you think. Uh, and the deal was a 10-year restriction on nuclear production uh, with Iran agreeing to shut down thousands of centrifuges and export almost all of its bomb-making material. And you know, last week, uh, John Oliver had a funny segment where he pointed out saying, Trump, you know, yeah, it's it's imperfect, but 10 years is better than zero years. So if you keep a deal, they don't start making nuclear bombs for 10 years. If you don't, they can start in zero years. And I, I don't know if Trump you know, understands that. He's just so, so gung-ho on, on getting his stuff done. He doesn't think of, you know, that the fallout for some of his decisions, I think. And of course, not to go without controversy, according to CNN and Politico, Sarah Huckabee Sanders blamed a typographical error for a controversial statement issued Monday night that said Iran currently has a secret nuclear program, uh, even though international monitors have found that Iran to be in compliance with the 2015 deal. On the White House website, the statement was published without a correction or acknowledgement of the error, and no corrected email was ever sent to reporters. Of course, it should have said had but, you know, it took him a while to acknowledge this. Yeah, those kind of errors can start wars in some parts of this world. Uh, but, you know, big deal. We're only dealing with nuclear war. What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> um, last week, and it seems like a lifetime ago, the way we have news coming out of the White House and out of Washington, D.C. Uh, but last week, Trump called in the Fox and Friends. We basically ranted for half an hour. It was basically a 30-minute Trump tweet. Uh, you think the president of the United States could have you know, a normal conversation, but no. Everything had to be frantic and loud and him freaking out and going crazy and making accusations. You know, There's a lot of bragging going on and a lot of, dare I say it, Kevin, fake news. Yeah, well, you, you said that you, know, you think the president could have a normal conversation. But as a reminder to our faithful listeners, this is not normal. No, it is not. And don't ever start to think it is because that's where things will just go kablammy. Uh, in case we'd forgotten, Kevin, Trump reminded everybody that he won the election in 2016. Did you know that? Were you aware of that? I, Did I wasn't he? sure. Yeah, he, he never I, talks I was about not, it. I was not quite sure. Uh, actually, to be technical, though, he didn't win the popular vote. So, you know, maybe he really does need to cover himself. I don't know. It's not his fault, Kevin. There's all those illegals voting in all those states, you know, hundreds of thousands and millions of fake votes. That's why he lost the popular vote. He really won. And we all know that. Um, he also went after his uh, good old friend James Comey, his favorite punching bag, and said the top people in the FBI headed by Comey were crooked. They look at the you look at the corruption at the top of the FBI. It's disgrace. Uh, he also leaked the memos, which are classified. Uh, nobody unclassified them, and those memos were about me, and they were phony memos. He didn't write those memos accurately. He put a lot of phony stuff. So the question are they are they classified or are they fake memos? Which is it? I can't have it both ways, can you? No, you know, good point. You know, of course, this is classic Trump. You know, CNN's Anderson Cooper likened him to a crazy person on a park bench with this rambling uh, live uh, tweet, if you will, uh, on the air. I mean, of course, this call started for such a good purpose, a good cause. It was Melania's birthday present <laughs> he was he was calling for. Oh, yeah. What he end up getting like a like a card or something? I don't think he get her any. I mean, I think a divorce would probably be the best present he could get her. Just to leave you know, you know how some couple. I'm I'm single, so I don't know these things. But you know, sometimes when you have couples, maybe you know, you get a little action on your birthday. I think Milani would want the exact opposite. Like, don't touch me today, and that can be my birthday present. 
Um, not that I want to put seems, words in her mouth. Seems reasonable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, then Trump went on again about Ronnie Jackson, who you know, has recently withdrawn his nomination to head the VA. And he mentioned throughout the, oh, the VA is such a large organization that nobody has the experience running that kind of organization. You know, So why not somebody with no experience, which doesn't seem like very good logic to me. <laughs> yeah, sort of like the United States, right? It's such a big organization. Why not Trump? Yeah. Anybody can do it. Anybody. You know, it's, it's Everybody's doing it. Come on a safari with me. Um, the, the craziest and to me the funniest part had to be when Trump uh, started going in on the Justice Department. He said, you know, Comey is guilty of crimes. And if we had a Justice Department that was doing their job instead of spending $8 million trying to find. And he was cut off by Fox and Friends who were like, it's your Justice Department. You're the Republican in charge. You've got a Republican running it. They were actually pointing out, like, why are you complaining about the Justice Department when it's your Justice Department? And you know, even they couldn't believe, I think, what they were hearing at that point. Yeah, even Fox News is calling him out. Fantastic. I mean, you think he'll actually listen to them? I mean, that he takes his, his cue from them on everything else. You know, I've talked about in the past how I'm a big fan of the uh, Showtime show, our cartoon president. And whenever I watch Fox, Fox, uh, Fox and Friends, all I see are the actual cartoon characters that they have on the show, our cartoon president. And they always just look so perturbed at what they're seeing. So, uh, you know, fine. Trump apparently is going to go on there once a month and start talking. What is he, like a monthly contributor now? Going to go on there and just rant and let him say whatever he wants to say? Yeah, they're going to cut him a paycheck maybe. But he just says so much that's not true. And then I just read a, or saw an article. Uh, I think it was was the Hill did the article. I mean, it may have been someone else's poll, but it was that Republicans, six uh, percent of Republicans think that everything that everything or most of what Trump says is truthful, and that's where the problem is. Uh, you know, I have no problem admitting when he says things that are truthful, but when he says things that are uh, flat out lies or are misleading or have no basis in reality, and people believe them, uh, that's the problem we're going to have. Uh, heck, I, I just saw um, one of the guys running for Congress. Or for the Senate in West Virginia, put out a uh, ad where there's a picture of one of his opponents shaking hands with Hillary, but it was really a picture of him shaking hands with Trump, and they made it look like it was with Hillary. And and the article goes on saying, you know, with people like Trump saying fake news the way he, he they are, and these kind of ads out there, people aren't gonna. There's gonna be no truth. People won't know what to believe. I mean, we're already basically there, and it just becomes sad because people will believe what they see. It's, seeing is believing to a lot of people, and uh, you can't believe what you see these days anymore. And it's just gonna cause a, a bigger mess when we're already in. Sorry, I'm kind of babbling on now. They're doing amazing things with computers these days, aren't they, Jess? Hey, I, I saw a movie once with dinosaurs in it, and those things have been extinct for millions of years. So. Well, the last thing I want to talk about today, Kevin, is uh, White House Chief of Staff John Kelly. Uh, according to NBC News, John Kelly called President Trump an idiot and said the president doesn't know his, about his policy issues on the agenda. Uh, Kelly, of course, denies that report. Uh, but are we surprised about that, that it could have happened or that he's denying it? No, not at all. And, you know, I used to think that John Kelly was the adult in the room. Uh, and I'm sure to an extent he still is. But I lost some respect last fall, however, when the president used Kelly's son's death in Afghanistan to make a political point, And Kelly didn't call him on it. You know, he, he catered, he kowtowed, bowed down to the president and let him get away with that. And so I kind of lost uh, a bit of respect for Kelly. But who else is still there to check the president? I don't know. You know, yeah, I can respect these guys when you know, they're going to be the adult in the room. You know, Trump may be insane, but they're going to be there to make sure he doesn't go off the rails. But then when he does go off the rails, they just keep sitting there anyways. That's when I lose respect. That's at that point, time to get the hell out of there because uh, it, you know, John Kelly was a respected guy before he became uh, Trump's chief of staff. Now he's just a long line of jokes from that administration that let Trump do whatever he wants and they, and they can't stop him. 
Um, you know, Kelly has said the president always knows where I stand, and he and I both know the story is BS. But according to the report, Kelly uh, used an insult during closed-door meetings with White House staffers and uh, during the discussion of DACA. And by the way, it, it's interesting that you see this a lot. Of people really don't seem to mind saying these things out loud to other people working in the White House. You think you know, maybe you want a close circle of people you trust. No, they just talk to other, other White House staffers. And apparently he says he doesn't even understand what DACA is. He's an idiot, and we've got to save him from himself. I mean, I, I, I don't know about you, Kev, but this sounds like the most plausible statement I've heard since Rex Tillerson called Trump an effing moron. I mean, there's just things that we're all thinking and these guys are putting uh, putting it to words. Yeah, I do concur. I concur as well. <laughs> uh, so what do you have tonight for Kevin's Corner? Well, Jesse, the White House Correspondents' Dinner is a time-honored tradition that dates back to the Wilson and Harding administrations. The 2018 rendition of the event, as we mentioned, has come under fire as a result of the crass humor of comedian Michelle Wolf. While some, including members of the White House Correspondents Association, the event host, have expressed disappointment, it should be clear to the American people that their displeasure is misappropriated. At the heart of Wolf's humor was the fact that people within the Trump administration, most especially the White House press secretary, repeatedly cover for and fabricate information on behalf of a president who shows a complete disregard for facts. These individuals, the president included, do a disservice to the American people on a daily basis by spinning stories to meet their own unorthodox political agenda. If we are truly offended by remarks made by at what historically amounts to a roast of the presidential administration, and let's be honest, let's remember that it was at one of these very dinners in which President Trump was spurred to run for office by the remarks of President Obama, we are missing the bigger picture. On this, I must agree with the actor Robert De Niro, who has proclaimed that there was a great deal of truth in those jokes, and the White House Correspondents Association needs to strap on a pair. Well, as long as you're not agreeing with actor James Woods, we're okay, because that guy has gone cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, if you ask me. But uh, as usual, Kevin, you, I agree with everything you said. You're on point. And to our, <laughs> listeners, <laughs> to our listeners, make sure to go to our website at grabthembythepod.com for all sorts of wonderful things about uh, our podcast, about Kevin, about myself, me, I, however you want to put it. Uh, it just, you, know, you see some handsome pictures of us on there. Who doesn't want to look at a couple handsome podcasters in, in, in tuxedos at their friend's wedding? You can find that on our website, so make sure to go there today. Uh, and until next episode, Kevin, it's been fun. Later. Later.